Hello and welcome to Watkins Wise Words, a podcast that celebrates conscious, passionate, wise and happy living. Thank you for tuning in and here is your host. So hello and welcome, my name's Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with Brett Moran on his book Wake the F-U-C-K Up. So Brett's a former drug dealer, crack addict and young offender, he knows all about transformation And in his book, he shares tools and techniques that he's learned on his journey so that you could do the same. Whether you're looking to overhaul your energy, achieve goals, or overcome negative behaviors and patterns, this book will show you how. And if you want to find out more about Brett's work, visit Brett, that's double T, hyphen Moran, M-O-R-A-N.com. That's Brett hyphen Moran.com. And I'll put a link out with this podcast. So Brett, hi. Hello, Steve. How you doing? Yeah, good. My, my, I mean, first question is, it's quite amazing, really. How did you go from a drug dealer kind of crackhead to a kind of coach author? I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Uh, long, long story uh, short, really. I, I woke up in prison. Um, I, like you said, I was a young offender. I was a drug dealer. Uh, and the environment that I lived in, that was just normal. So it might be hard for some people to comprehend that. But where I was brought up on a council estate on the outskirts of South London, dealing drugs, violence and crime. It was just a normal way of life. So for me, it was like monkey see, monkey do. And I just kind of got brought up in that area and I just followed the patterns, basically. And inevitably, you live in that lifestyle, you know, dealing drugs, committing crimes, you're going to end up with some consequences. Mm. And so I ended up in prison, but prison turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, And I was actually on a little drug deal in the prison library waiting for some guy to drop some drugs off. And this book just fell out out of the shelf in the library. And it was about mindfulness and meditation. And the book was called Moment by Moment by Jerry Brazar. And at the time, Steve, I've never read I never read a book in my life. You know, I used to read the papers like The Sun and, they, you know, they're a load of rubbish. <laughs> I used to sort of read stuff like that. I'd never read a book. But this book just, I don't know, it had some kind of feeling with it. And as I held the book in my hands in the prison, it just felt like I was free. It, that, like all my worries went. I wasn't in prison. And so I knew I was on a good thing, even though I didn't know anything about mindfulness, spirituality or, or meditation. So being a prisoner and an ex-con, uh, I, I nicked the book, stole the book, took it back to my cell. And for, for that prison sentence, I literally, I was just in my cell for like six months and I just learned how to meditate. I looked at my beliefs, looked at my thoughts and I realized that my ego and all the thoughts in my head, well, number one, they were negative, most of them. And number two, they were just an illusion. They wasn't really me. There was something in between them, some kind of energy. And, you know, now I'd call it consciousness. But back then I just felt it. I didn't know what it was. Mm. And if I'm honest, you know, cut that long story short for the last 10 to 12 years, I think it's been now since I was in prison, I followed that feeling and I followed you know the law uh the 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 meditation and the mindfulness i started to practice mindfulness you know i've just literally just finished meditating today i've been doing it more or less every day since prison and it's changed my life and things didn't change straight away you know i went back to prison about a year later i've relapsed on drugs thousands of times i've been bankrupt i've started you know i've been i've started businesses that have failed i've done so many screw up so to speak but i've always followed that spiritual path uh, I, i'd call it now like uh, the the inner feeling and the higher connection and it's always it's always helped me it's always helped me move forward so eight wow. years clean of drugs now um you know vegan yoga alpha uh, been in a film all this sort of stuff and i believe it's just because i just get silent and i listen to that consciousness talking to me or trying to connect with me 
didn't some of your friends think you'd kind of lost the plot when you were getting onto mindfulness? <laughs> I think the most person that thought I lost the plot was my dad. He, um, my background was, uh, my dad was a racist football hooligan. So I used to go to Fulham and Chelsea Football Club and shout out, you know, horrible words to people mm. because we believed that, you know, in the territory. So when I found a book in prison about mindfulness and spirituality, you know, about monks, I honestly thought that I was going crazy i thought i was losing the plot more than actually taking crack i thought i was like starting to become weak and and lose myself so so the first sort of like mickey taker was my old man he told me that i was losing the plot he said you need to sort yourself out mm-hmm. uh, and then and then obviously all my friends you know they thought i was into god and i'm you know i'm not i've got nothing against religion uh i've got nothing against you know that sort of belief if, if it's a positive belief and it helps people it's great but personally i'm not religious so i don't believe in that kind of god i would say i'm probably more on a spiritual sort of path um so yeah i've got all the other all the bad sort of uh, all, all the bad mouth in and the mickey takers and I, I suppose now I think that's a kind of that's a sign to say that you're on the right path if, if you're going against the crowd and you're going to create your own sort of path and your own journey mm. people are going to talk about you people are going to take the mickey out of you and they're going to sort of think that you're losing the plot that you're going crazy so now I understand that it's like you're doing the right thing if people are talking about you even if it's negative you're doing the right thing so keep on going yeah, that's a great point. Now, yeah. Looking at your book, I really like the way you've written it. The first um, chapter is Engineering Your Mind. We become what we think about. So can you say a little bit about this? Because, of course, mindfulness is about our thoughts and our thinking. What, 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 what are you trying to say to people here uh, in this chapter? Okay, I suppose what I'm trying to say, and, and it's difficult to write all in a chapter and, and to sort of say it in a quick interview, but what I'm trying to say really is there's a difference between the ego and the mind, I believe. And the ego is like your old conditioning. It's the cards that you get dealt at birth. It's what your parents believe. It's the beliefs and it's the attitude of the environment you live in. Or even the programs you watch and the peers. It's like you're brainwashed. Your ego is brainwashed. Um, and part of it helps us, you know, it helps us with the patterns that we need. Um, but then part of it is pretty negative it doesn't really serve anyone a purpose mm. and I think what holds most people back or keeps them in addictions or in old patterns and habits is the ego it just it, it loves patterns it's easy for the ego just to stay in his patterns um, you know and then obviously you've got the uh, obvious sort of stuff where it's trying to show off or it's afraid of certain fears and that's all ego and most of us are kind of like slaves to that ego and that's what I was I was a slave to my ego and I wasn't actually in prison in prison I believe I was actually in prison in my own mind I was like imprisoned by my faults rather than actually being in a cell that's what i woke up to and then i suppose engineering your mind what i'm trying to suggest to people is that the mind is beautiful you know i've just sat down now steve for about two hours doing some uh, yoga and meditation i feel like i'm in love i'm in this bliss this bubble and it's like my mind and it's just so beautiful and pure and unconditional and loving um you know people call that the divine intelligence they call it god you know there's all these different labels for me i just call it the mind and when you get for me when you get into that place you can start engineering it and it starts giving you visions about your future it gives you positive thoughts or a loving kind um sort of like a voice that just starts to speak to you in a nice way so I really do believe that the mind that we've been gifted with, this tool, is an opportunity for us all to wake up and, and literally create lives that we really love. But more importantly, just to be able to just feel comfortable in our own bodies and feel comfortable in our own heads and have a nice conversation with ourselves and you know have a have a sort of deep and meaningful conversations rather than 
the, you know, the old ego, you're not good enough, you're stupid, you're this, you'll never succeed, you'll never do that. Again, to me, that's just past old conditioning. And I think the way the world's working now, millions of people are waking up to this and they're just getting, that's why yoga and meditation and mindfulness, it's just becoming so big because people are feeling it rather than talking about it. They're starting to connect to, to the bigger mind or the collective consciousness. Again, for me, it's hard to describe because they're all labels. Hardest thing in the world for me was to write that book. <laughs> but yeah, words just confuse me and I just think you're trying to describe, I'm trying to describe something which is, you can't really label it, do you know what I mean? But yeah, so there's a difference between the old ego and the new mind, I believe. You've written here, you don't have to follow your thoughts into darkness. I really like that sentence, you know, you always have a choice and the power to break through your thought patterns. Now, somebody's coming to it, you know, like new, and like some of your friends back in prison, you said, look, that's just your ego, you can kind of separate from it. Most people will go, what are you talking about? This is me. How do we start getting some yeah. separation from this kind of negative ego? Well, great question, Steve. Really, really lovely question. I think the first thing um, is to bring is incorporate some kind of mindfulness, gentle breathing, a little bit of meditation into your daily life. Uh, I think it, every day is a practice. Uh, so it's like it has to be part of a routine or a habit. Um, and you just literally start to slow, slow your breath down and just close your eyes breathe in and out of your nose and then just watch the busyness of the mind and just watch the thoughts and then you begin to sort of well you can try and start to separate from them so without judgment or criticism you just sort of sit there and you watch all this busyness going around and around and around all these thoughts and it might be thoughts about what you're doing in the future thoughts about what you did in the past it might be sort of negative thoughts about how bad you are and rubbish you are it might be positive thoughts and dreams it, be mindful of what where the mind's going and nine times out of ten like i say you know i don't believe i was an addict my mind was an addict and i was addicted to these negative thoughts these negative stories and that led to certain addictions and so nine times out of ten most people are just addicted to thinking and the the addict is the ego and it's 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 a poison is false and it's like never happy it's never satisfied so it's never in the now it, it, it doesn't like being like just still it's just to sit still for like even if it's two minutes in the morning just sit there for two minutes and just start to breathe and then become aware that those thoughts are going around but there's some kind of space in between those thoughts there's a little bit of a gap and that's where we where we want to be living really and that's who we really are it's like energy this consciousness and again the mind will you'll probably notice that all the thoughts that are going on are probably a reflection of the upbringing that you've had the films that you're watching on tv the newspapers that you're reading and you just start to watch it and it and it's stimulated by all this negativity nine times out of ten and it just it gets triggered off so we're never really in that nowness so it sounds a bit of a it sounds a bit of a hard one for some people to get so i know what you're saying I've, i go back into prisons and talk to cons and to inmates and some friends and it's it is a hard one to get it doesn't happen overnight like i say it's taken me 12 years to sort of get to where i am and if i'm honest steve i'm still my mind is still as busy as anybody else's now i just know the difference between um between what I, I know the relationship between it and what's real and what's not real so you know a core thing around the ego i imagine is fear isn't it like you know it's like the kind of thinking that generate the kind of pictures in the head that generates kind of worst case scenarios you know oh my god someone's out to get me or the world's out to get me uh, how, what about mindfulness in this breaking that yeah it's a good one uh, I think I think I think back to yeah it's just literally sitting down and being with it and feeling that fear what I've noticed and I can only speak from my personal experience and I'm not sure how it is for everyone else but what I've noticed my fear 
always comes up when I'm about to change or when I'm about to set a new goal or I'm about to step it up. So, for instance, I've had such a fear of public speaking. Um, and like, the, like you said, the ego said I wasn't good enough. People will laugh at me. And I, what if I get all my words wrong? And so for years I worked on it. And then started to write, then I started to write the book. Um, and then my ego started saying, you know, you can't write. You never finish school. Everyone's going to laugh at you. Boom, boom, boom. So every time I sort of step it up or I believe every time I sort of suggest to my clients, you know, go for it this fear comes up because I think the ego wants to stay in these easy patterns. It doesn't want to look stupid or, or think it's going to look stupid. It doesn't want to break the mold. It doesn't want to feel challenged. It's comfortable staying how it is, even though that comfort is really uncomfortable, really, because when you break free from it, you're, you're free from the ego in a way. Um, so I believe that the consciousness, again, divine intelligence or the universe or God, whatever we want to label it, it actually wants everybody to grow. It wants us to evolve. That's how humanity keeps on growing. And then when you stop growing and you listen to the ego and the fear and all the rubbish, you become a bit stagnant or, again, you become addicted or you become a bit lost or you, you feel like you haven't got a purpose in life. And it's just, it's like a... Um, it's an illusion. It's just an illusion. It's just the ego feeding you rubbish because it's scared or it's a bit nervous. It doesn't want to step it up or it doesn't want to feel vulnerable. And again, now I feel like when I feel fear, because I still do if I'm stepping it up, when I feel a bit vulnerable because I still do because I'm still human, I've kind of switched my mind to think, well, actually, that's a sign of growth. That's a good thing rather than years ago oh my god i've got this fear in my chest oh my god i've got these negative thoughts i think we just become more aware and then we can switch it around and just say well actually no that's me growing you know i'm facing something i'm growing my conscience wants me to grow um obviously i'm going to be a bit nervous and i'm going to be a bit scared and then i'm going to sit with it and again just breathe and sit with it yeah i think late i think we've labeled fear so much we've labeled all this stuff maybe again all these words we've kind of took ourselves so far away from it maybe we just feel this natural feeling inside because we're growing uh, maybe it's even excitement underneath, underneath this illusion of fear. Maybe it's excitement, and then we grow into it. Um, but it only goes, I've found, when we step it up and we keep taking the action. You've got that fear of public speaking and you don't stand on stage. For me, the only way I kind of, I would say, not cured it, the only way I got it was faced it. I stood up. My legs were shaking like Elvis Presley. I was nervous. I was sweating. But then the next time, I st next time I stood up, it was less. And the next time I stood up, it was less. And in the end, I can't wait to get up. You can't get me off the stage now. Right. <laughs> I'm just there. So I yeah, wonder if it's an illusion. I don't know. Just my spin on things. I mean, you know, it's what you said is brilliant, that, you know, fear comes up at the moment you're trying to take a step up, aren't you? And it's that yeah. kind of familiarity zone. You know, look, I'm, I'm comfortable maybe living a life on the South London estate, maybe being in prison. So, and then if I'm going to shift out, or I'm going to start doing public speaking, being an author then something inside's going oh my god so everyone i guess must face this in their own way what would you say to someone who's just about to step through you know they're facing their fear their mind's going crazy and is it about just just step up and do it what would you say to someone about they want to take a step in a direction which they're terrified of taking i i think if you're terrified of taking a step in a direction but then it's part of part of you uh, let's let's get a bit soft but there's something in your heart that says you know i really want to be a speaker i really want to be an author or i really want to go off and travel for six months or or it might be you know i really need to end this relationship or i really need to quit this job and there's big this big like um story in your head like you can't do it you'll never find somebody you'll never have the money but there's something in your heart that really wants it but the fear is kind of crippling you to move i would say go for it i would say the, the more the fear the more nervous you are um and the bigger leap the better and the bigger the growth you'll get from it so when i first left car shorten in south london and moved down to salisbury i never knew anybody steve i left my daughter i left my girlfriend at the time right. but i knew there was something in my heart that knew if, if i stayed there 
I would have ended up dead. I would have ended up on drugs for a lot longer, or I would have ended up in prison. And I couldn't really work it out what it was back then. Yeah. It was just more of a feeling, like an intuition or something in my heart that said, you need to get out. And so I did. And again, it's better to look back in hindsight, but now I can look back and go, well, that feeling saved my life, really. I listened to whatever that was inside my heart, even though I was petrified, even though there's so many times I wanted to go back and start all over again. Uh, that feeling kind of it knew it knew more than what my ego did and that's what i sort of suggest in the book when i talk about the um, the power of visualization mm. most of us we get into law of attraction and we want a nice house car you know girlfriend boyfriend whatever it is and it's all great and it really does work but a lot of people and some of the clients i've had and myself included sometimes we get what the ego wants these visualizations but then we're not happy and satisfied so in my book when i talk about visualization i say talk about what your heart wants you know what does your heart really want maybe it doesn't want the money but it just wants the freedom to travel the world maybe it doesn't want um a lover to to make you whole and complete and have a relationship maybe your heart really wants you to sit still and love yourself for a few months mm. so it's like go into your heart and find what your heart wants and i think that works with fear as well if there's something petrified and really terrifying you but you know you want to do it part of my language but fuck it just go for it yeah. and just listen to your heart just just follow it right yeah in your book, you talk about consciousness, and you, you mentioned your heart. Well, I think you're probably talking about the same thing. You know, is yeah. this a kind of intuition, a, a, a biggest part of us that's guiding us? What, what would you say about consciousness or heart when you talk about that? Oh, that man, that is, a, that is a really good question. That's a, <laughs> that's a, um, again it's back to words isn't it I don't know so when I was just in that bliss a minute ago doing my yoga you know um, it's just pure just pure nothingness there's nothing there's no words there to describe it it's like a nice light feeling it's just like I'm free from everything yeah and so is that consciousness or is it love or is it I don't know really what the word would be so it's a kind of a difficult one to answer but I think it's all the same so if we say like I'm following my heart I'm listening to my heart I kind of think we're following consciousness and maybe we're following God or maybe God and consciousness are talking through us and we're following our heart it's a bit of a chicken and the egg thing but all I know rather than I suppose analyze it or try and work that out is that when you close your eyes whether you're doing yoga meditation or a bit of self-reflection whatever it is or, or connecting and praying you know i pray but i'm not religious but i pray most days yeah. when you're doing all these little things that feeling or that voice that consciousness it gets louder and it gets stronger and then you make these decisions you make these choices and then they get easier and then the fear subsides and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller it's still going to be there because we're human but and then life just becomes easier. So I don't know what to label it, but I think it's all connected. It's all the same thing, maybe. Yeah. Um, and you know the difference because if your ego is going, oh no, you can't do that. Oh no, you know you, you look fat or you look ugly. Oh no, I need to take another drink to feel comfortable. And that's just all ego. And like the voice of love or the voice of consciousness or the voice of God, it's just soft. It's kind. It's gentle. And I believe it doesn't want anything apart from you to be happy and growth and abundant and and just to touch this magic of life. And even Gandhi, I think Gandhi said that that voice is always trying to talk to everybody. He's always there, but we, we we just don't take the time to sort of sit down and meditate. We don't take the time to connect to it. And I suppose in the last 10 years, that's all I've done. You know, I, I spend two or three hours just connecting to it as much as I can every day. And so it gets louder and louder, and then the fear gets quieter and quieter. Yeah, brilliant. Now, now connecting to that, I think there's something else that grabbed my mind in um – my attention in the engineering your vision chapter the law of abundance there's plenty of everything when we open our minds and see beyond our limiting beliefs now i really think we should send this book to david cameron because it, i don't think they kind of get that bit really so can you say yeah. something about the law of abundance and is this a natural state 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 of life rather than what we're kind Amazing. of experiencing through governments and stuff uh, I love the way you've just said that, a natural state of, natural state of life. 
totally. I think it's a natural state of mind as well, Stephen. Yeah, the, without trying to be too negative, but the governments and the, the news and the media, you know, it's brainwashing us, isn't it? It's trying to create a scarce mindset, you know, telling us one minute that we've got none of this and we've got no money, and the next minute they've put millions or even billions into some other campaign. So I don't know how that actually works out. But if I'm honest, I'll do my best to kind of keep out of any of that negativity and just yeah. open my eyes every day and just say to people, look, when I got into Law of Attraction, I watched The Secret, like probably a lot of people or your listeners probably, you know, they've probably heard of it or maybe they've not watched it. You know, I'd highly suggest watching it. But mm. when I first watched it, I got a little bit confused. It was more about material stuff and money. And I kind of mm. went down that path and I did succeed. I got some things. And obviously, like I said, I got some stuff which didn't satisfy me. So I was thinking, well, hold up. This is working. I'm getting the things that I want, but I'm still not as happy as I thought I'd be. And then um, I listened to a guy called Bob Proctor and he spoke about abundance is everything. Mm. So when I look outside the house now, you know, the, the, the road, you know, there's hundreds, thousands of bricks building one house when i look up in the sky there's millions of stars like you just can't get your head around it even just looking down in the uh, uh, in a grass in a field there's millions of blades of grasses and or even the cells inside your body you know you've got microabundance and macroabundance but inside your cells like in your body there's millions and millions of cells and and so there's just millions of everything and i think when you get into that you realize that life is abundant and it's just this this excited feeling it's like i feel like a child and i try and get my clients to feel like that feel like that excitement feel that childlike feeling and that raises your feelings your vibrations your frequencies whatever you want to call it it gets you in a higher state and then when you think about money like pieces of paper which it is a piece of paper there's no good or bad it's not evil it's not positive it's not negative it's just what we attach to it or the ego attached to it then when you think about money there's millions of pounds being spent right now why me and you do this podcast on coffees or lattes in in coffee shops so there is no scarcity there's no negativity obviously when we go to other countries or you know third world countries there is this but then you know you're getting into different sort of things about politics and stuff but i think the natural state like you said of life is abundant and when you feel that and you feel it inside every cell of your body obviously you're going to activate the law of attraction the law of like you're going to activate every anything you're going to activate all of it because you're vibrating at a very high kind of velocity or probably the most genuine kind of feeling you can because it's just about opening your eyes and seeing that but sadly a lot of us we, we've got our eyes closed or we've been taught to keep our eyes closed well uh, uh, there's another chapter here which i love talking about scarcity i suppose most of us think there's a scarcity of love don't we in families or in the world yeah but you got here engineering your love the more we engineer love and self-love in our lives the more our lives become lovable so really there's no scarcity of love i, I mean it's ridiculous, isn't it? That we might even think there's a scarcity of love. That we, that love is kind of limitless, isn't there, really? We yeah. kind of generate it. Yeah, totally. And it goes back to what we were talking about. Is it is it consciousness or, you know, is it mind or is it love? You know, and I, I think I put that chapter at the end and took people on that journey because that's what I do believe, I suppose, overall, that blissful feeling that you can feel when you're doing yoga or meditation or even when you're stroking your cat. You know, there's no ego there. You're just looking at this cat or your dog or your child. You know, you have a baby and it's just this unconditional, pure feeling of love. And, it, and it's just... I think it's, you know, the fabric of life. It goes through everyone and through everything and it keeps us all together. Um, and all the negativity, all the politics, all the scarcity, that's all ego. It's just all conditioned and it's all fear-based, like you were saying earlier. But I think, yeah, and abundance, you know, that's love. You're just seeing love everywhere. It's just like life is just com completely growing. And, and I think what I wrote more, what I was trying to emphasize more to people, I don't know uh, if you know, but I, I went celibate for about two, well, three years. I went celibate for three years because, you know, I was a bit of a lad 
and in the end just sleeping around having meaningless sex you know and um, having relationships even destructive relationships for a few months or whatever it didn't really fulfill me and I was just like whoa what's going on so I took my journey a little bit deeper mm. and I went celibate for three months because I wanted to see what it was like to have a relationship with me and life and just not use this sex this kind of like this maybe that's ego or reproductive cycle just not use that as love because people have got it so confused you know we're in these dodgy relationships that are negative and needy and depressed and we think that that's love and you've got all these songs and all these films about love but it's just so far from the truth because that real love is like it's inside all of us right now and sometimes maybe we just need to look in the mirror and reconnect or acknowledge that sometimes we just need to close our eyes and go deep and really feel it or sometimes like I said you need to go and be with an animal or nature or a tree or go in a field and just feel that love and when you feel that and you meet somebody and you have a relationship it's like two people you know they're on fireworks they're having this divine oneness like a tantra kind of love which I think is the way forward <laughs> that's just my bold opinion and my belief but it's what I feel as well so everything in the book I suppose I wrote what I felt rather than a theory. Um, I've read loads of books uh, and I wanted to really write what I felt. I think that's why it took me so long. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's brilliant. And it's been brilliant speaking to you, Brett. Now, look, you know, on the cover of the book I've got here, it says, what does an ex-crackhead know about turning your life around? Well, I think anybody who's listened to this interview will get a good idea. So um, all the best with the book, Brett. And it's, I really think it's a great book and your message Amazing. is fantastic. And so, um, uh, yeah. Good luck with it all. Like what you've heard? Be part of our community by visiting watkinspublishing.com, following us on Twitter at Watkins Wisdom or liking us on Facebook.